Hey guys, I'm back with part two of Emily and Amy. This is the visibility series. So if you're just coming to the birth story podcast, a couple of weeks ago, I kicked off a visibility series on same sex assigned at birth couples, Katie and Jess, Emily and Amy, and then starting next week, we've got Steph and Amy. So in these interviews, I'm digging deep on the fertility journeys and the birth stories. This week is part two of Emily and Amy, where we really get into the birth story. But I would love for you to start with Katie and Jess, part one and two. Definitely listen to Emily and Amy's part one about their fertility journey and enjoy this beautiful birth story. Let's get to it. What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does the day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. Before we get started, I would love to have you guys in Birth Story Academy. It is premier childbirth education for your hospital birth, no matter what the birth looks like that you're planning. So medicated, unmedicated, a wait and see attitude, a belly birth, an induction, there is a module for all of it. And I have a blank name tag at your seat waiting to put your name on it. And the best part about Birth Story Academy is that I get to be your virtual doula. You go into my private Facebook group where I interact with you every single week and cheer you on as you plan and prepare for the birth that you want, no matter what that looks like. So I hope you will go to birthstory.com and enroll in Birth Story Academy today. Okay, so two really different fertility stories, like Mm -hmm. wildly different. I'm like, this is amazing. All right, let's talk about birth, though. So, Amy, I know you are a total freak athletically. And, (laughs) you know, like I said, I'm over here, like, gaining 70 pounds and, like, barely moving. And you're on the side of a mountain. And comparison can be the thief of joy. So I was like, Kaylee, just stop showing me these pictures (laughs) of your cousin and all of, like, her amazing athleticism. But, like, you you just said it, right? Like, you had a really good pregnancy with Audrey. Yeah. Felt really good. We're super athletic all the way till the end. And you're a PA. Did you have an idea for what kind of birth 
that you guys were envisioning? Like, Emily, did you have, I mean, it's Amy's body, but Mm -hmm. did you guys have a conversation about medicated versus unmedicated? Did you care about what type of birth, hospital, home birth, natural, you know, what were you thinking? I think from my perspective, you correct me if I'm wrong. I, I felt like I... I, I wanted it to be healthy <laughs> and, and I, you know, I wanted everyone to be safe and healthy uh, at the end. You know, I, I think I, I tend to be on the anxious side around those things. And so, you know, I, um, yeah, that's what I wanted. And so I, I, and I, I defer to her about decisions around like, you know, medication or, or, you know, or not, or trying for a natural birth. Did I, did I have an opinion about that? I don't think you had an opinion yeah. about it. And I, I didn't have much of an opinion either. Yeah. So um, we dropped out of our birthing class because we were so not the people that should be there. Right. Okay. And we were like, you know, yeah. what's going to happen? Gonna, you know, she kept saying, you know, let's get a birth plan. I'm like, we don't need a birth plan. Like, <laughs> I love you. Whatever they tell us to do. And I'll hold my ground if it doesn't feel right. Yeah. It's my birth plan. Yeah. Okay. I think exactly. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we've, we feel privileged in that we, you know, we have enough knowledge, I think to, to kind of, um, and, um, and power to advocate for ourselves in situations like that. Um, so I, I think that that was, that was kind of our, our philosophy on that was that we, we didn't need everything written down because we, we felt pretty um, confident that we could navigate in the moment. Um, I will say I did want someone there with me. Um, so uh, it ended up not, not being a, um, a trained doula. Um, but you know, we, we definitely were of, of that mindset of, of wanting, um, you know, someone there, not for clinical purposes, but for just, you know, support and, um, yeah, that's Um, all a doula is, is mm -hmm. a support person. They say, uh, the, the term, the Greek term means like woman servant, but I'm like, you know, birthing person, servant, yeah. birthing partner, yeah. servant, you know, yeah. servant, servant, <laughs> you and know, we also, we went with, a we, um, our, our healthcare provider has a midwife group. And, um, and so we had early on made the decision to go with the midwife group. And so mm-hmm. all of our prenatal appointments were with the midwife group and we like, we loved them. They were amazing. I think we just felt confident that we were in the right hands. I don't think either one of us were interested in a home birth. Um, I think, cause you know, again, my anxiety is like, if something goes wrong, I, I want to be in a hospital, but you know, I'm, I am fully respectful of, of people who make whatever decision around that. So, um, but we, I think we, <laughs> that was the one thing we were sure of having a doula and then also having, so the two things we were sure of having a doula and having it in a hospital. Yeah. Who was your doula? Can you talk about this person? Yes. Yeah. We, so we did the thing that you do where you choose your closest Orthodox Jewish friend who shouldn't be leaving your house on the Sabbath and you promise her you won't have the baby on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And then you have a baby on the Sabbath. And you start going into labor and you realize, <laughs> oh, this baby might Sun come on Friday down night. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. She's a, she was a friend of ours. Um, we've worked with her. Uh, she's this perfect combination of just so lovely, so giving, so kind. She has four children of her own and she's a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. So perfect. Kind of, we had everything wrapped into one package. Yeah. She's the yeah. perfect person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just, yes. your body picked the wrong day. 
Apparently. Yes, twice, yeah. <laughs> oh, really? No, you're yeah. kidding me. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Yes. yes. Oh. <laughs> oh, there's got to be a lesson yeah. in there somewhere. Oh, my gosh. This is really yeah. funny. So, so both times you go into labor on Friday at sundown. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, okay. yeah. And this, she's so amazed. She'd gotten permission from the rabbi to be there. Mm-hmm. And then we were in our own fog of life, of course, after Audrey was born. And we didn't know this was happening, but it was 101 degrees in Seattle at one in the afternoon when everything was done. And she walked seven and a half miles home to her house because she couldn't Can drive her car and her, her duties on the Sabbath were done. So she, yeah, amazing human. That is an amazing human. And you guys are so freaking athletic. If I walked seven and a half miles in 101 degree weather, <laughs> let's just say I wouldn't be here interviewing you guys today. Um, so I know we're telling Audrey's story first, but both labors were spontaneous labor. So uh, kind of. So Audrey's was, and it dragged on for days. Um, yeah. So and- she had she had pre-labor that lasted several days okay. um, and it was back labor. and it was it was really it was agonizing to to be (laughs) in the in the support in the support position I mean uh, far more agonizing for her I don't want to over exaggerate but you know just um yeah the amount of discomfort was was pretty it it started on a Wednesday morning I was teaching a boot camp at the time and I was sending people to go on a lap and I was having labor pains and I went to work that day I was working in the urology clinic and you know we were counting contractions and then I I think I had the bloody show at the urology clinic and so I was like okay here we go and So then Thursday, that night was rough and then Thursday all day. And then by Thursday afternoon, it, it was every five minutes. And I, she was basically the only position I could be in was doing like a wall sit and she would have to press me against the wall as hard as she could. And that got exhausting, called the consulting nurse. And of course they say, well, that's not labor and you want to scream. They said, mm-hmm. take a bath, took a bath and we were okay. And then Friday after Friday all day, it was kind of on and off. And then I'm sure we probably missed this in the in the birthing classes that we dropped out of, but they said you should have a hobby. Like so when when you're when you're when you're going in this pre-labor, you should have something to do. And we hadn't done it up till Friday afternoon. And that's when Emily said, We need a hobby. <laughs> we, you know, we need some shelves still. So let's go to Lowe's and get some shelves. And we're at Lowe's and I'm on my hands and knees in the battery area. And like I'm like having contractions. I mean, <laughs> Yes. I think it's a little too late to have a hobby yes. right now. So yeah, we shortly after that we went to the hospital and did you were, even yeah. check out at Lowe's? We did. We did yeah. check out. We did check out. We got back home. I think <laughs> at that point, then Amy was like, "I'm done. This is ridiculous." Um, you know, uh, they better admit us if we go there. <laughs> Don't call. We're going. Yes. Yes. This is awesome. So the early part that's called prodromal labor. Prodromal labor. Yes. The yes. good thing, I'm. You know, I'm. You're going to tell me in a minute. But the good thing about prodromal labor is it usually is effective in thinning your cervix helping the baby rotate into the ideal position and even opening your cervix a little bit so that your active labor, which is when you're five or six centimeters till delivery, tends to be a little bit shorter. So like when you have a long prodromal labor, you typically, I don't know, you haven't told me your birth story yet, but I try to encourage my doula clients like, hey, this means your your active labor, the hard shit might be a little 
little shorter, you know? So I don't know if that was true for you, but sort of, you know, um, with, with me, the only, the problem was when I finally, well, we, you know, I think it was around midnight. We asked for an epidural and it came at three. We had, it was a rough go. We had this nurse that had just come from Ireland the day before. And she'd say, what's your pain dear? And I'd say a nine and a half. And she'd say, it sounds like a six. And like, so it was a really rough go for a while. And then three hours to the epidural. And then as soon as they gave the epidural, we slowed everything down. And then I started having a lot of D cells. Um, So Audrey's heart rate was going down. It's funny to say Audrey, she did not have a name at all. Mm -hmm. The -hmm. baby's heart rate was going down. um, And that's when we had Sarah, our friend, come because Emily was... It was, it was stressed. Yeah, it was stressful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they were because they would, you know, like five people come sprinting in the room all of a sudden to get me to roll over. And I don't um, I've had multiple epidurals in my life and they never actually they don't go to both legs. So you kind of have to choose and gravity can take it one way. But so I was still feeling a lot. So I could even I think at one point I was on my hands and knees and they were needing me in that position. And I heard Emily say, <laughs> I'm on my hands and knees with my bottom facing the door. And all of a sudden Emily says, Oh, hi, Tracy. (laughs) She's a doctor that walked in. So I I didn't know what was happening, but (laughs) so, but it was when, when, when Tracy, this doctor showed up, I knew we were in a little trouble because it was, we didn't like, why is the doctor here? We've been really doing well with the midwives, but pretty soon everybody was around and Mm -hmm. you were really, really stressed. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, when, when you are the one birthing, you, you know, you're kind of out of it, I think at that point um, and not tracking, but it, it seemed to be getting really serious in terms of, uh, you know, Audrey's, you know, the, the rapid D cells and decelerations in her, in heart rate. Um, and so, yeah, the midwives called for the OBGYN, the on-call OBGYN to come in and consult. Um, and, and that's when I was like, Oh God, they don't call the they don't call yeah. OBGYN unless it's, you know, serious. Yeah. Um, but so shortly after that, I finally was able to start pushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I pushed for, I think it was, was it four hours? Three hours? Yeah, it was four hours because Audrey was four hours and Noah was four pushes. <laughs> okay. That sounds about right for a first baby yeah, to a second right. baby. Um, and then epidurals. The average length of pushing with an epidural is two to four hours. Mm -hmm. So even when you have some feelings, so the average length of pushing for unmedicated is 30 minutes to two hours. So, um, you know, so that's your, you were kind of right in that thing. And Uh Emily, I I totally feel you. I mean, these heart decelerations, they're, I mean, it's so hard, right? And I, and I've... I've been the birthing person when it was my own child's heart decelerations. Mm-hmm. And then I've been the doula also as the support person with the heart decelerations and they're equally shitty. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's so yeah. terrible, you know, mm-hmm. it's just really yeah. stressful. So typically though, it's either like cord compression, yeah, like, and yeah. like a cord around the neck or like, you know, baby's sling on the cord or it's head compression because you're fully dilated and it's time to push. Right. Yeah. So yeah. was it kind of a mixture of both for you guys? It went on for hours. So I feel like it was a little of both. There was no, it wasn't around her neck, but I think they just kept where like I was compressing the cord. So I think they kept getting me in different positions to release the angle wherever the cord was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was cord 
court compressions. And, okay. you know, and that was the thing. I mean, you know, once the on-call OBGYN came in and like, they all talked about it and I, I felt, I felt reassured. I mean, it's still, you know, it's still scary, but I, I definitely felt like, okay, they, <laughs> they've, they've been to this rodeo before and they know what they're doing. And yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So then, what time were you at Lowe's? <laughs> <laughs> I think five o'clock. Five o'clock. What yeah. time did you and get I an epidural? <laughs> three a.m. Three a.m. And I, I don't think you pushed for four hours. I no, think you're was, right. I was not at those. Not that I'm competitive, but it was definitely not the top end of the curve. Okay. <laughs> it was. I think it was more in the two-hour range. And Audrey was born at noon. Noon. Okay, so that's a long labor. <laughs> it was a long labor. Yeah, I mean, it's still. Doing on Saturday. I mean, so you had long prodromal. I mean, I would still say it was um, less than 24 hours, which is the average, but it was pretty close to that. So that's a really so long, long time. Yeah. And, and it was, yeah, so we hadn't slept for three days, I think. And it wasn't until Audrey was born that we realized that we were never making up those three days. <laughs> still haven't made them up. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> nope. Never get them yeah. back. They're never coming. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. what for those that are listening that are getting ready to birth for the first time, mm-hmm. what advice, Emily, would you give as the partner? Like what like what did you learn that then maybe you applied for Noah's birth or something? But on that first time, like if you could go back and say, Don't yeah. do this thing or do this thing yeah. as the partner, yeah. What would you I mean, what would you do different? Or I mean, what I, you, I I think they're the to let go of any sort of like attempt at rationalization of anything, (laughs) because, you know, ultimately like there's no rationalizing what's happening and, um, and applying like ration and logic, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, you just have to like, she's in charge of what's happening. And I just have to let go. I think, you know, there was this idea. She's like, wanting to get into the car at a certain time to, to start driving to the hospital. Like she, she had very strong feelings about like, this is how it's going to happen. I didn't want one. I didn't want more than one contraction in the car. Yeah. So, and I'm like, I'm like, I think it's going to be like, we can just get in the car now. It's going to be okay. I can pull over, you know, whatever we can make it work. And she was like, no. <laughs> um, and I'm like, okay. Well then we can walk to the hospital. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Yes. She had a very strong idea of like, this is how it's going to go. And um, yeah. So I I think letting go um, and and, yeah. And just trying to be supportive. And then yes, the, her needs around like the physical stuff, like she said, it was getting really exhausting, but I just had to like, you know, as exhausting as it was for me, it was a million times more exhausting for her of like lying backing me into the wall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Was that just preferred pressure on your sacrum? Mm-hmm. That was exactly it. I fl- it flattened out my low back against the wall and somehow that was providing the relief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. I'm going to interject then. If, if there are any partners out there and you're, you don't have a doula um, and you don't have tools. Another thing that feels really good is to get on your hands and knees. And there are the um, 
rollers like that runners yes. use to like roll mm-hmm. out or mm-hmm. like uh, the old midwives would use rolling pins, but I use one of the oh, runners yeah. rollers and you yeah. just go like this over and over and over again on the mm-hmm. sacrum. And then mm-hmm. you'll, you'll never believe this, but I, cause I weigh a lot of, I weigh a lot. I mean, I'm not a tiny person, but I put my clients on their hands and knees and then I sit on their sacrum. It's so yeah. easy. That would have felt awesome. So yeah. easy. It's like, okay. I, I just sit there and like drink a latte and I'm like putting <laughs> sacral yeah. pressure and it feels really good. And they're like, yeah. this is so amazing. And I'm like, and I'm not getting tired, right? Yeah. I'm not getting physically <laughs> exhausted. But um, I love what you said, Emily, about surrendering and letting go. Both person, but I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Both yeah. parents, both, I wanted to say both birth partners because I'm thinking of the <laughs> other thing. So scratch yeah. whatever I'm saying, Rob, take that out. Both the birthing person and the birth partners have to surrender when they're becoming parents. So one is typically surrendering physically, right, to the sensations Mm -hmm. of the contractions and the surges and the pregnancy and all this other thing. And the, the other, the birth partner, is surrendering to the lack of control Mm -hmm. of you know, and it's, a tr- it, they call it transition for a reason because it really is transformation. Like mm-hmm. who Emily and Amy were mm-hmm. prior to that day. Right. They don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. like, I learned that at a taco bus shortly after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, it's a big, it's a trans, like those are the moments of transition. And I always say like, if you don't learn it in the fertility journey, you're going to learn it in the pregnancy. If you don't learn it in the pregnancy, you're going to learn it in the labor room. If you don't learn it in the labor room, yeah, you're going to yeah. learn it day one at home. Yeah. So like, that's such good yeah. advice. Surrender, let go, let go, let go, let go. Okay. I know we've been talking for like an hour and 20 minutes, which is so awesome for me, but like, I can't hang up without knowing the rapid entrance of Noah. (laughs) So Noah, when we were pregnant with Noah, we were remodeling our house for most of the time. And so we were living in Airbnbs around the city and I was in my, I don't know, third year of being a primary care provider and so I was getting every virus that's ever been known pre-COVID. Okay. And it's so like going was, back to kindergarten? Pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and we had a kid in daycare. So I had spent probably three or four months coughing so hard that I had really, I had broken a rib. I was nine months pregnant. I had a broken rib and I was seeing patients all day. And every time I coughed, I'd have to hold my rib in very tightly, cross my legs so I didn't pee my pants and then <laughs> cough a little bit. And I was, I was miserable towards the end. I wasn't sleeping at all. It was that cough where you lay down and you're just going to just have a little trigger cough every breath. <laughs> okay. I'm, you're, you have me in panic mode right now because I'm also <laughs> like, as a person who sees a lot of things in the medical yeah. field, I'm like, yeah. I, my first, I'm like, oh my God, she has a pulmonary embolism. Like, oh. if you're coughing so hard, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, no, if you're coughing so hard, you broke a rib. <laughs> I, I never had an ounce of leg swelling. Yeah. yeah. I think the only lesson learned there was, you know, why didn't we wear masks back in the day? Like, now <laughs> now we all wear masks all the time. Like, yeah. like cold and flu season. I was like, if she was in clinic seeing all these people coughing all over all the day. I know. actually, I think I did wear a mask. The, so the last day I finally wore a mask. I said, and I said, I'm, I, I am going to take 
the week off. It was, he was due February. Mid-February. Yeah, February 14th. I think we're thinking Mm -hmm. like Valentine's Day baby. And so I was going to take a week to 10 days beforehand to just take some time off. Mm -hmm. um, Because I was so miserable. I said, I need some time, right? Yeah. And so I had a midwife appointment that I went to. um, The midwife was retiring that day. And so they, like all the party celebrations were up. There was this whole thing going on and I was her very last patient. And so I went in, I saw her, things were going okay. And then I went and did the testing, the monitoring, the stress testing with the monitor where you sit in the chair and everything was fine. I left, they had their party. And so, right. She retired at five o'clock. Well, my phone rings at eight o'clock and it's her. And I was like, well, didn't you retire? And she said, well, I, I thought everything was fine, but now I have concerns. I said, okay. And, she and said, this was, this was early February, right? This yeah. is February 1st. Yeah. Yeah. So on February 1st, she says, I have some concerns. There were some decelerations on your exam. And I, you know, it, it seemed like there was maybe too many for me to be comfortable with. I'd like you to go get a ultrasound tomorrow. I've ordered it. And I said, well, I have like 18 patients to see tomorrow. I already have a full schedule. So I got to work early. I sneaked in. Amy, hold on a second. Yeah. Difference between you and the rest of the world. (laughs) (laughs) I would have been like, okay, I'm coming in right now for an induction. Right? Like, can't sleep. That's going to stress me out. You just said there was too many D cells. The whole rest of the world is like, get the baby out right now. Amy's like, I've got 18 patients. I need to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, we're just, we're not those people. (laughs) Like it didn't stress you out at all? Oh, it did. It stressed me out is how I was going to handle these four things that needed to happen. And you, I don't know. I feel like many people who go into labor, even it's like the same thing with what I, you know, could I be pregnant? Like, obviously I knew I put sperm in my body three weeks earlier, right? It's this denial. And it's February 1st. We have mm-hmm. two weeks. We didn't even have a car seat in the car for him. I mean, yeah. Cause yeah. two weeks is an eternity, right? Yeah. So I think there was a little denial that I, I, that's what I do. That's my coping mechanism is everything's perfect until it's not. And I let Emily stress about all of it in advance. And I just have one big day of stress. Um, So we, so I, I got up early. My first patient was at 7:20. I think I saw that patient and I had already talked to the ultrasound people that I could sneak down there at 7:40 and they would do it really quickly for me, kind of backdoor because I am so privileged to have this advantage to talk to them and get in there. Um so I did that and they said everything looked okay. And then they I think they called me and they said we also need you to go and do the monitoring again in the chair. I said, okay. So I finally succumbed and I said, cancel my afternoon patients. <laughs> I will okay. see the morning patients. So I saw six patients, I think. And then I went to the third floor and sat on the, in the chair where they monitored me for, they monitored me. And this was, so I work on the East side of Seattle and all of my care and all of our plans are on the West side of Seattle. It's like six miles apart, but it's an eternity apart. You birth in a different place. The midwives are different. Mm-hmm. So they said, they want us to monitor you. I stayed there an extra hour. She called, she said, Oh, we need you to do further monitoring. You need to drive over to the West side and go like, go to your own home. And, uh, so I went to the hospital first. I went to our, 
our clinic and they said, you're in the wrong place, go to the hospital. So I go to the hospital. <laughs> but at this point, are you like, Emily, I need you to get off work or are you? I call, so I couldn't get a hold of her. She was for, <laughs> at a work lunch. <laughs> and so I contacted the person that she was at work lunch with. She's just not a cell phone person. <laughs> this is a theme, right? Yeah. So she had to call someone else to get a hold of me. So I had to call her, her, the work person. And I said, don't panic, Emily. Just let her know I'm going to the hospital to be monitored. I don't, you know, I didn't want to say anything like anything was a big deal because I didn't want her to be feeling crazy and driving crazy. And so, you know, this was probably around one or one in the afternoon. So then I drove to the hospital and I get in there and the woman starts monitoring me. And once again, this slightly not perfect experience where she's, I said, so what, what does it look like? She's like, well, I mean, it's not bad, but I, I mean, it's not good either. So now I panic a little bit. She said, you know, the, the OB will be down in about an hour, but we'll keep monitoring you. So she left the room. I was by myself. And I think then I might've, I was texting you kind of updates. And then the doctor came in and the doctor checked me and swooped, swoop. So you swoop memories. Swept. Swept. She's, oh, there's no, there's no current tense. <laughs> swept she's, the membranes. Swept upon my membranes. <laughs> and it actually put me into labor. So I started having contractions after that. And then I told her, and then she said, you know, we could induce labor or we could not. Like I can continue to watch this, but I can't really find a reason to keep watching it. Like you're going to have a baby. We may as well just do this. So then we went from there and they put the balloon in, which I didn't realize that, you know, it's going to feel like you have to have a bowel movement. So I pooped it out about two seconds later. Um, yeah. But that means you were dilated three to four centimeters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then I, from there I was, yeah, I was only, yeah, I was like two or three centimeters. And so I was, you know, and our friend, uh, our friend Mona came at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to, we were going to try to not call Sarah because of the Sabbath thing again. <laughs> um, yeah. And I kind of just, I did this whole thing around the room. And at that time, the thing that was helping was I was actually squeezing my own hips as hard as I could. And that was helping okay. because no matter what position I put Emily in, for sacrum or squeezing my hips like it was never perfect but I could actually squeeze my own hips as hard as I could to get through those yeah and then I couldn't get the right leverage but she could get the right leverage yeah Yeah. and then I got an epidural with that one and they said okay it's probably going to be you know four or five hours and at this point our daughter's birth date is really complicated in terms of all of the different numbers and (laughs) now it was February 2nd and I was so excited I said this baby's coming out before midnight because I'm not having another complicated birthday to remember (laughs) (laughs) what's Audrey's birthday why is it so complicated 7 18 15 it's just if there's no and I oftentimes write it you know 7 15 it's it's just even number odd number combination it's yeah fun. okay it doesn't roll off the tongue you it know did us which no is favors exactly you you want the number to roll off the tongue gotcha. yeah and <clears throat> two two and two, no, two is it was, a fun yeah yeah it's a groundhog it's groundhog's day uh-huh yeah okay so, yeah so then they thought it was gonna be hours and i was like it can't be hours and within so the doctor left and the midwife was kind of just roaming around and it was less than an hour later. And I said, I, you know, I said, I think we're going to, I think something's happening. And the nurse oh, and this time around was much nicer because both nurses working were they exercise with Emily. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, I knew the nurses from my gym and they were so amazing. They're, and it was yeah, great. it was great. We were having a wonderful time, but yeah, we were, um, 
with each other. I was kind of yeah. by myself on the bed doing my own thing, and they were all having such a great time. But That's what we Emily were, needed. That is what yes, Emily needed. Yes. We were monitoring, um, you know, the readout of um, contract, contra- whatever was happening, you know, in, in <laughs> and, um, and Amy said, Amy said something like, Oh, I feel you know, something. yeah, I feel something. And then we kind of looked and the nurse was like, you're right. Like you're ready to push. And it was uh, like an hour later. It was an hour after we had. Yeah. So an I had an hour after like your epidural in like an hour. Wow. Second yeah. babies, second babies. And yeah, we, we also had, you know, there were then when she started pushing, there were D cells with Noah too. Um, oh, and, yeah. um, and yeah, she pushed, she didn't push very many times. I think I pushed three times. And then at, after I had pushed three times, they like yelled at me, you need to push. Like there was no contractor. They said, you need to push. Okay. And I pushed and he came out and he was like a deep Navy blue color. Oh. And it was, and they like brought him up to, was his right cord wrapped? It wasn't. It was from the D cells, I think. He wasn't wrapped either. Yeah, I so don't know why. It was compressed somewhere. Longer. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. yeah, it must be my my structure. <laughs> yeah, just You're must pinch the cord on the way yes. on the way yeah, out. Yeah, pincher. Yeah, yeah. So, and and the, that was the part that was surprising to me. Um, was clearly they've seen this before and they knew what to do, but. Um, they started, you know, like slapping him and, well, you know, they and, put a non-breathing blue baby on my face. Like, <laughs> I was yeah. Not ready for that. Yeah. Wow. Um, but, and I was like, Oh my God, they're being so rough with him. But that was, I think uh, that's what they do, you know, and yeah. eventually, you know, he, he's started gaining color and, um, and thank goodness everything was fine. But yeah, um, yeah that was also a few scary yeah. moments. Just under midnight. Yeah. Oh, and so it was too, too. That's my brother's (laughs) birthday too. Oh, I love it. So, but was any part of your like medical brain, like Noah's fine. I'm still attached to the placenta. You know what I mean? Like he's fully oxygenated or were you just like, my baby is Navy blue and this is really scary. I don't don't think you're prepared to to see that, you know, like it's, it's, it's alarming. Um, And I, yeah. Yeah. And I certainly didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know all those things. Um, and yeah, no, we were both really freaked out. That, and, and leading up to that, you know, in the, you know, three hours prior to that, when I was having the D cells and they had just finally given, or they'd given an epidural and it was really based on the D cell. Had I not, had I not gone so quickly, I think I would have ended up with a C-section and it was, we were, they were very much on the cusp of watching that and at that point, for some reason, I was like, I'm fine with that. Like, I was thinking, like, we need to be safe. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A it lot of times, too, when they're born that quickly, they don't get that good squeeze. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. To get all that yeah. fluid out of their lungs, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know. Um, but these, when you're in a hospital, yeah. some, sometimes these are easy fixes. Yeah. And I think... Know? You know, and I do think I feel very fortunate that I have very positive associations of being in a hospital. I've never had any negative experiences. And I know a lot of people who are giving birth or doing anything else have had trauma around that. And so that's, you know, not that that's why you choose a home birth, but it's, it's, if your brain is hospital avoidant, then, I mean, this Mm -hmm. can be really traumatizing. Um, And I felt very fortunate both times around that, you know, even the first time with a very mean nurse, I still felt very safe. (laughs) And yeah. that this was like someplace that I was going to be taken care of. And I, I know that that's a, um, 
that's not what all people feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Now I have a question, a couple questions before we finish up. And the first is on feeding. So, you know, both of you are women, both of you are able to breastfeed was, did you guys, did Emily, did you want to breastfeed? Did you breastfeed? Like how did the feeding journey go? I think I did want to try. Um, I think, I think we realized pretty quickly, pragmatically that, that, um, that was going to just not, not be a thing, (laughs) you know? Um, I, I think, I think we would have had to do a lot of extra preparation to get me in a place, you know, there's a lot of the, you know, work to do to try to stimulate someone who hasn't been carrying a a fetus, um, to produce milk. Mm -hmm. I think it can be done, but that, you know, there's a lot involved, um, or doing, um, you know, a bottle with a, a tube, um, and, you know, kind of, um, placing it near the nipple and, and kind of getting that sensation. Um, but it just, um, I let go of that pretty quickly. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that's the thing is that you, I think going into it, you have a lot of preconceived notions about what you'll really care about. <laughs> um, and, um, and then once it happens, then you kind of realize like, oh, you know, I don't, that's, that's not a thing. And so it didn't end up really being a thing after the fact for me, breastfeeding was not with Audrey was not super easy um, for Amy. I, did, um, I, def- I did not have enough milk. Mm-hmm. And that, so, so I think we, we had enough work to do around just having, getting Amy to be able to, to produce enough um, for Audrey that like the whole aspect of me trying to, to work myself into the equation was not a thing. Yeah. And but she did, you did pacify though. Yeah, did. I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. So just nipple pacifying. Okay. Um, I did nipple pacifying also with Max. We tried to nurse for six weeks. He was lip and tongue tied. It was just hard, but I want my audience to hear that, right? I put Max to my breast for six months. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's me for six months, for a year. Even when I was pregnant again with Jagger, there was no milk in there, but that's a damn good pacifier (laughs) too. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think a lot of people don't, if we don't say that out loud, not enough people realize it, right? Like you can put your baby to your breast, even if there's no milk there. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think with, it's also important to think about like with all the hormones flowing after pregnancy, like it's, I'm not somebody who internalizes many things as being somehow my fault when they're not, I'm, I'm good at it when it is my fault, but mm-hmm. I, I don't take on other, I don't take on shame for things that I, that I think is, is unrealistic or things that even other people do. Right. Um, but even that crept in there of like not having enough breast milk for your baby, and the shame of like having to go to the, like, you're doing everything you possibly can to not use formula. And I mean, if I could say one thing about the whole birthing, pregnancy, baby making process is just let it go. Like mm-hmm. if you need formula, just do it. Yeah. And like, baby's going to be happy and sleep and like, mm-hmm. you're all going to be so much better for it. But I don't know where the the cultural norm has been built that we must do this thing or try it, you know, go the hell and high water to try to make it happen. But it's, it's still out there. Where did it come from? The first person to feed my baby was my best friend, Sean. 
<laughs> she was nursing twins and she came to meet him and my milk hadn't come in and he was like screaming and she's like, do you want me to feed him? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. went right on her breast and like gobbled yeah. it up and he was milk drunk. And I was like, thank you. And then my we, milk came we had in. an interesting thing. Our, actually, our, so our baby daddy, he, mm-hmm. his sister had a baby at the same time. And so she was actually giving us a bunch of breast milk. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Very cool. <laughs> it was I, really neat. This is really important that everyone listening hears some of these pearls, right? Like, you know, don't, we just don't have, we don't need to be at all, right? Like formula is fine. Breast milk is fine. Sharing. Yeah. And sharing. Sharing. We became, we, Audrey had breast milk from so many different people and I, you know, she's got a a really healthy immune system. is exactly uh-huh. how I feel. Max yeah. was, Max was fed. He had one main donor for that, for the first year, but then a couple of like sprinkled in donors. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, you're getting multiple immune systems. Yeah. And if we are meant to live in community in a village, Absolutely. like not all breasts are supposed to be milk producing. Right. You know, like some of us need to get like, clearly I was like the hunter gatherer Yes, and Sean <laughs> was the feeder in the yeah. village, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, we also, we also had a neighbor who had a baby around the same time and, and that yeah. neighbor is one of those people that like overproduces. Right. And so, you know, they felt wonderful. You know, they were freezing like bags oh, and bags yeah. and bags full of like, what are we ever going to do with this? And, you know, right next door we had a need and it was so lovely. And yeah. Yeah. So the neighbor was back to her birth weight real quick. Oh, all the way back. Um, Well, the last question I always ask everyone is what was your, what is, was your favorite baby product? What is something that you look back and you think like, we didn't need all the stuff, but we did need what, what was really helpful? We definitely didn't need all this stuff. I, I can attest to that. Um, there's way too much stuff out there. Um, we were, let's see, we were really big. Um, both Audrey and Noah were swaddled and took to swaddling. And um, so the, we, we had a ton of those, uh, the muslin, um, whatever they're yeah. Swaddles. Muslin, swaddles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, um, so, you know, but I, I realized that not every baby takes, takes a swaddling. Um, but the, but it has been, it has been, we've taught people the double swaddle. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, mm-hmm. yes. Making a little soldier out of that yeah. hot dog. <laughs> yeah. And now, and with Noah, they had developed the, the Velcro ones that kind of do the double swaddle for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we had one of those like, um, rocking bassinets things which I don't know if they've been recalled so you might not be able to <laughs> not all of them some brands yes. have and like the rocket yes. rocket I don't remember one of them was recalled yeah. shake a baby mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's yeah, so. <laughs> yes. yes shake a baby was recalled in 1932 <laughs> and then, and then Dock-a-tot, maybe that was one of them I don't know but yes you guys well, let's, yeah. you know, they're recalled, yeah. but there might be one out there that's ethical yeah. still. My, my number one is the <laughs> exercise ball because sitting on the exercise ball and bouncing and that mm-hmm. see, every time any neighbor baby, our babies, even my mother at 70 plus was able to sit on that thing. And the second you start doing that gravity defying bounce, the babies just, mm-hmm. they are yeah. out. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, we spent a lot of time, um, uh, we carried them. We didn't do a lot of stroller um, time. And so I think, you know, having one carrier that, that is really comfortable that you really like. And, and I would say that not each parent is going to like the same carrier. Um, so, and, you know, there's a million brands out there. I highly recommend, um, you know, don't buy all of them, find people, you know, who have one, try it on and, you know, feel how it feels on your back and your hips and, and everything. And, um, like one solid carrier that you really like, um, that, that thing, I mean, Mm-hmm. use that so much mm-hmm. um yeah and it's sad when they don't fit into it anymore too <laughs> right. it is it is yeah. it is very sad yeah well, Audrey still fits in it I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah maybe on the back so <laughs> oh well you guys I've loved talking to you today and hearing about your fertility journey and then your birth stories for any queer couples that are following this series is there any no, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say. Is there any? I'll give you time to simmer on it for a minute, and then I can cut all that out. But like, what parting words of advice do you have for queer couples looking to conceive? I think it's the same as any heterosexual couple or any single parent. Is talk about it. Find your people. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we we went to this queer conception group and we met. There was only one other couple there, and it was this new thing and it was very strange but we we went once but we met this couple and then we we became friends on the journey with that couple and sometimes I know that can be hard because then that couple gets pregnant before you or after you and we actually got pregnant at the exact same time but it's it's like everything with pregnancy it's like not having enough milk it's like having postpartum depression it's talk about it find your people on the journey Mm -hmm. good advice So, well, thank you guys for being here today. Okay, before we go, if there are any couples that have questions for you or want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, I would give my email Mm -hmm. address. Um, My email address is orbitfit, O-R-B-I-T-F-I-T, at Gmail. Um, And I would be happy. I think we, after we went through this, we just really we wish that that this information were available and ready and mm-hmm. you know even you know where do i find a syringe and just what size anything like we're, mm-hmm. we're totally happy to help because we felt like we had to reinvent the wheel at every step and that shouldn't be the case mm-hmm. thank you okay so orbitfit at gmail.com and that was amy answering that question so reach out to amy and emily at that email address and um, please give Noah and Audrey a hug from Kaylee and I and Max and Jagger. Thank you guys for being here today. Thank you Thank so you. much, honey. Thank you for being part of the Birth Story family and listening to this episode. On Tuesdays every week are doula diaries, little snippets and tidbits from my week along with some teaching and education. And then on Thursdays, we meet here for our birth stories and our expert speakers. So thank you for being here and listening to the podcast twice a week. And if you are left wanting more, like Heidi, I've listened to all the episodes, I've read your entire book, then I hope you will meet me in Birth Story Academy and let me be your online childbirth educator to prepare you for your hospital birth, no matter what that looks like. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. 
My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like. 